this, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Got a really interesting episode for you today. We're talking to a business improvement coach, consultant, kind of project management specialist. And I've listened, I met this lady uh, through kind of business networking and lots of stuff she should talk about so closely relate to what we do at Risk Fluent and what we talk about here at Rebranding Safety. So we thought, let's get that lady on the podcast. Let's jump into the intro and tell you some more about it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risplit. What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit that subscribe button and the bell and the magical algorithm buttony thingamajigs my name's james mcpherson i am the host for today and i also run a company called risk fluent ltd and our purpose is to rebrand safety to rebrand safety sorry not to rebranding safety even though that is kind of what we are trying to do so that's us in a nutshell if you need any help technical safety cultural safety fire safety whatever it is we can help you out. Check out riskfluentltd.com or email me, James, at riskfluentltd.com. If you can't remember that, all the links are in the description below. So today we're talking to a lovely lady who does kind of business improvement, project management type stuff. And I thought, you know what? Safety managers projects so often, like lots of what we do, whether we're rolling out a cultural change program, whether we're rolling out a new piece of tech, whether we're trying to, I don't know, redesign our risk assessments, whether we're trying to improve a specific process after an incident or whatever it is, a lot of what safety does is projects. So I was like, why don't we talk about projects and our qualifications? I mean, it's not like our qualifications fail us in any other way, is it? Here's just one thing they don't cover. Hmm. Unfortunately, we don't really talk about project management very much. So I thought, right, let's get Liz on. We talk about project management. We can talk about business improvement and how we can take the ideas of project management and business improvement to help us manage safety so much better. So hopefully... You get something out of this. I shall won't. I shall won't. I shall wait. I won't waffle on anymore. I'll let Liz introduce herself, and we'll get into a conversation around business improvement and project management. Let's go, Liz. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me, James. No worries. No worries. Do you want to introduce yourself? Because I know you quite well now, but uh, obviously the listeners won't know who you are. Of course, no problem. Although I would quite enjoy listening to how you would introduce me, but yes, I'll uh, take the safe. I'll take the safest option and do it myself. Shall I? Used to do that. I used to ask guests. We spoke about this on Thursday last week. Um, I used to ask guests to send us a bio, and then I'll read it out. It's like the cringiest thing ever. So I just don't do it anymore. I just don't do it. 
no, that's fine. And at least yeah, I'd rather do it myself anyway than you make it up. God knows what you would say. But yeah. Um, so I'm Liz Higginson. I'm a management consultant and project professional um, with a record of delivering large scale, high priority projects and programs uh, within the predominantly within the finance industry to achieve business outcomes. Um, so I've worked on my career. I've spent about the last 18 years in the finance industry, uh, walking, working across, as I say, a number of different uh, transformational changes, spanning across things through like uh, changing of operating models to technology changes to more cheap people change, regulatory change, um, data-driven change, uh, quite technical ones to do with things like APIs and things like that with all the technical advancements that are taking place nowadays. Um, working both in your more traditional uh, methodologies, uh, kind of like waterfall approaches with projects, to more um, agile methodologies uh, for more of your product teams and your sprints where you're doing your digital, uh, especially more in the digital space uh, for your apps and things like that. Um, so I have a real passion for working with people and leading people. Um, I think um, you'll probably you already know this, James, um, but people are at the heart of everything that we do. Um, and so we're not quite there yet with having 100% automated organisations. Um, so we do need to consider our people. We need to consider the experience, the environment and the journey that we take them on. Um, and yeah, a couple of years ago, um, I left uh working in the kind of like corporate world and uh, started my own business. So 144 Complete Business Development. I've done that for the last couple of years now. And I'm an independent consultant um, that looks to support businesses with their training and also their business consultancy needs. Grand, grand. And when we first kind of had a, had a, a coffee meeting, we were just kind of geeking out on organisational faith and stuff like that um, oh yeah all about the od organizational development culture or should we should we start a, <laughs> that's a big one to start with isn't it james yeah, maybe not let's not go there yeah um you get an insight into the safety profession when you start talking about culture as well jesus yes. we just bicker with each other that's all we do um so one of the reasons I thought, you know what, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we do as we were talking before we press record that that are very similar and really closely aligned. But there was you, you're doing a lot of work around uh, project management at the moment, and and obviously we we get to see a lot of what you do at one four four. And and I thought, you know what, safety does so many kind of projects. Like I've done so many projects in my career, um, and many other safety professionals would be the same never actually had any form of project management training or or even could tell you how to man manage a project other than like, you know, lick of a finger and shove it in the air kind of thing. Um, so I thought it'd be really interesting to get you on just kind of really let's have a chat about what project management is and how we can do it well and how maybe we can examples of not doing it well and so on and so forth. But I thought might be the best place to start would be to actually understand what a project is. Because I think we we banned the term project around left, right, and centre. But like um, from from a like a project management kind of specialist in a way, if you're comfortable with that phrase, like how what how would you define a project? 
yeah no problem and it makes sense because in reality it, we, you either hear projects being banded about in every context shape or form everything's a project or you find that people are involved in projects or involved in project activity uh, but it's not labeled as a project it's they're not um you know in regards to their day job or even their job title there's no concept of this and it's just kind of like side of the desk activity so then it's not getting the focus that it needs so it kind of goes one or two ways but how would I define a project so a project it's it's a unique set of activities um with a specified timeline so it's not indefinite it's for a period of time um, it's been undertaken to bring about um, some form of change okay so a project needs to change so you're currently in state a you want to get to state b of whatever so the project is span up to move you from a to b um, so it'll have a set of um, planned objectives that it's planning to achieve um, project work is generally conducted across all areas of business there's it's not a a specific area it can it's across all areas of business it's about understanding within the business what the whole system is and what changes need to be made and how they impact and influence each other and therefore your project should span across that whole piece and what you then do is set up temporary teams so again quite a key thing for a project is it's not your normal standard teams it's a temporary team that comes together based on the skills knowledge experience that is needed to deliver whatever those achieved outcomes and objectives are so the team's spun up um, to deliver that project over a period of time and, and generally a project would be deemed to be successful um, if it achieved its acceptance criteria so when you sat down with stakeholders and said okay so what are the business benefits what are we trying to do here and what does good look like you'd form your set of acceptance criteria for the project to be handed over into business as usual and generally um if a project achieves that acceptance criteria you know normally within its kind of like the, the specified timeline and budget that's been given it'd be deemed as a successful project yeah the project would then kind of close down and you'd move on to the next thing. Um, I suppose a key thing to consider is that for nowadays, well, it's not even nowadays, it's all the time really, isn't it? Every organisation, no matter how large or small you are, and we were just kind of talking about this earlier, weren't we, James? doesn't matter if you're a one-man band or you employ, you know, 20,000 plus people. Um, every organisation is faced with the fact that the environment is constantly changing around us day by day. Size, scale and complexity of the changes will be different, but things are changing. Um, and this, in reality, does create challenges for businesses, but it also creates opportunities for businesses. And it also drives a business need for them to do things. Um, and therefore, the project really is almost like the response from the business to either minimise the threat or to maximise any potential opportunities that can come out of it or just to address the business need. Um, so that's kind of of whatever is changing in the environment that they're, they're operating in. Okay. Yeah, which I think fundamentally is pretty much what safety does all the time like yeah. i think we we manage the the doing of of the normal stuff but i think the safety for a long time has been battling with this like i don't know I, i've been saying for a while that safety is kind of going through like a bit of an identity crisis and like okay. we, 
really sure what we're doing but like ultimately no matter where you sit in that said identity crisis there will be a project of improvement or driving change at some point within your career yeah 100% and I think one of the key things for me that I observe and it's not just about safety this is this this hits other uh, disciplines and other aspects of business as well but it's this sh- it's this mindset shift that we need to make of starting to move things uh, from the right more to the left and what I mean by that is you know when we're sitting down and we're seeing oh my god this has happened over there therefore we need to spin up a project because we need to do we need to change the business to respond to that we need to be considering at the beginning who are the key stakeholders that need to be in for in involved in that who can influence the project which areas are going to be impacted that need to be involved and specifically for for safety professionals we should be considering that as a as one of those stakeholders that are key to being in the room from the very beginning because obviously when we start to think about the different controls um in relation to safety for any projects um that are delivering but also during that period if you're changing things you know in an organization you're going to have interim states and each state when something changed and looks different for people for employees you know do we need to consider the safety implications of that and so therefore the journey of the the safety process needs to constantly change to reflect as well so what I mean by that is if we can start to have a mindset where we're bringing these individuals in earlier you can it becomes more of a proactive strategy rather than a reactive response to we've done this and I don't know something's broken and an employee's got hurt or you know or technology's gone down or we failed um some kind of audit or check because of x y and z you know we've not got the right um safety material resources in the building kind of thing for the number of people that are in there or whatever it might be as you're going through your interim states because it's not been considered and that's what we need to it's not just start and end it's the whole journey yeah i want to come back to stakeholders um because i think i think that that's quite important and something that i think we would definitely the audience would definitely get value from talking about there was something we were talking about this before we press record and, I, and I'm curious to maybe talk about it again because we were talking about it maybe from like a business managing and running a business perspective. Yeah. Um, but also I think safety suffers from something quite similar in that knowing when we need to have a project to change, like knowing that we're, there's this, there's this, oh, you know, it's, it's all right as it, as it is. Yeah, we'd like to have this big change and, and all this, but we're not kind of where we are right now. So I, I hear quite a lot like, oh, Joe, James, we'd, we'd love to get risk fluent in and do this big coach, but we're just not ready yet. And I'm like, well, how do we know when you're ready? Like, What does ready look like for you? Um and I think of many, many safety people. If if it's from a if I, if if the project is from a safety perspective, typically what we're always talking about is reduction in harm, right? So we're always trying to reduce injuries, reduce accidents, and so on and so forth. So if as a company you're performing quite well from a point of view of incidents and accident, we 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 rest on our laurels in a way, and we say we're, we're safe because we're not killing anybody, but. As a as a profession, we're starting to really understand that uh, you know the absence of accidents isn't necessarily an automatic precursor for the presence of safety in a way. So, 
it might be that actually a lot of companies need to drive a project, but they don't know they need to drive a project. So like, yeah. and you don't have to come at this from a safety point of view, but like how, when you're talking to prospective clients or clients or, or whoever, how are you kind of getting them to a point where they understand that they do need to do a project to drive change or, or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, James. And I think, you know, one one way is to actually look understand with the business well where is it you're trying to get to from you know what is your business strategy you're here today what is your ambitions where do you want to be in 18 months two years three years and then understanding once you understand kind of like what that aspiration is uh, and the strategic growth that needs to take place you can then start to ask the questions around and who's in control of getting you there is that all within your gift or are you relying on third parties uh, suppliers partners you know different members of team within your um business different technologies you know in order to do that in order to achieve your strategy are you going to have to implement new technologies new platforms things like that to be able to do what you know to be able to achieve that growth Mm -hmm. so trying to understand that then you start to be able to have the conversation okay around so okay if they say you want to go and this is all the stuff that you need to do to get you there uh, you can start to kind of measure success but ultimately then you can start to ask the questions around or do you have the capability to do that so if getting you from a to b requires the implementation of new processes and new technologies do you have the uh, capabilities in-house to actually deliver those projects so to deliver the new technologies the new processes do you have the capabilities in-house to do all the business readiness activities around working with the teams to give them the new skills and that they're going to need to be able to use the new technologies the new processes all the communication around what's coming, when it's coming, when we stop using the old ways of working, when we need to adopt the new ways of working, those kind of things. Um, you know, because if, if they do, then great. Um, if they don't, then that's, and in reality, you'll probably find they don't, but they think that they can kind of like, because what we see a lot is, well, we'll do it off the side of the desk or, you know, I've got, um an assistant or whoever it might be so you know Bob's got a bit of spare time so we'll use him but one thing that I always say to people is you know time is not a skill and we shouldn't resource key critical activities based on availability we should be resourcing activity based on skill knowledge and experience that's needed because otherwise that's where mistakes can happen Um, so it's actually understanding that whole picture and then trying to get the business owner to understand the need Now, there's going to be situations where that's a lot easier to happen. So if there's things happening, so if it's a regulatory change, um, so if all of a sudden in the uh, health and safety industry, they change the uh, parameters around how many, you know, the, the fire rules of how many fire blankets and hoses that you need per number of people in a building, for example, that's quite an easy project to quantify to a business that they need to implement you know because you're no longer going to be you're no longer going to achieve regulatory standards Mm -hmm. so things like that are a lot easier to to kind of sell it's more the it's more of the uh, innovative or creative or the uh, or the stuff around you know uh, trying to get business owners to, to see that actually if your people are more happy in their job they're more productive if they're more productive the customer service is better if customer service is better then your overall your 
balance sheets going to be better kind of thing so um kind of transformational change or cultural change got it in talk that get straight onto culture but cultural change and people change is always a little bit harder because what you're trying to do is get them is is it's kind of link it up but again go through the same process what are the benefits what are the changes you need to make do you really have the skills in-house to be able to do that um because the other thing is if you are really motivated you know to for something to change to be different whether that's an external factor applying pressure to your business or internal influences that are making you want to do it there's it, it, it's it's almost like you, if you're only going to chuck if you chuck a little bit of money at it on an ongoing basis but you never really chuck in enough money or enough focus to actually reach the benefit of what you're aiming for in a way you might as well just set fire to the money really you would be better off actually being committed 110% to it you'll deliver quicker so in the long run it will save you money and obviously you'll then start to realize the benefits earlier and ultimately improving the business Mm. there was something else you, you kind of which I think might help um understand that that there, there might be benefit in having a change project of some sort in when you were kind of talking about again we were talking about it off air off air off air station <laughs> you got a big red button on your on the side of your wall right now that says on air kind no, of thing i kind of wish i did from honest like i want a big on, on air kind of button. Yeah. shows how long ago i did a podcast wasn't the last podcast i did sorry james just to interrupt yeah. i went into a dark room microphone in the middle it was like a navy blue dark room yeah. uh, microphone in the middle two chairs no camera with a big red thing that said on air and it was a kind of it was I was like oh nowadays it's totally different isn't it you sit in the comfort of your own home video on how things change hey how things change yeah it's very weird I'd like to have a studio one day or or like the office with a studio set up in the corner or something sit down and have a chat whatever but yeah I would like to I'd like to do it not on zoom and have (laughs) Her guests there you go that, that could be a goal for you in the next 12 months rather yeah. than being here i want to be here and then work out what do you need to do to get you to there yeah but it definitely won't have a dark room with some freaking curtains and shit. yeah now i've said that it's made it sound quite scary doesn't it you're probably thinking what kind of a podcast was that <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you that one off air <laughs> Oh, I've completely forgot where I was going with this. Um, oh, yeah. So the one thing that I thought was quite curious when we were off air um, that you were kind of talking about, you know, how, how often does a business kind of really just just kind of draw out their business and all of the kind of interconnecting parts. So, or like if you imagine an organization, it's kind of like a web, right? And you've got like this department, this process, this thing, this thing, and all of those things are attached. And you were saying that when you kind of do that with an organization and you kind of zoom out, you can really see, oh, look, actually, the reason we need to change this is because even though with this problem that we're having is down here, it's, it could be being impacted by this thing that's like four or five levels up this process change, which which I really like. Like I wouldn't, if you could kind of talk maybe a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, what we're talking about here is kind of a high level understanding the operating model of your business. Mm-hmm. And um, we all think 
we do know our businesses and we do we are experts of our own businesses but it's about how all of the pieces connect together so it's like a jigsaw isn't it the business and it's how it all comes together and what we don't necessarily always um know off the top of our heads or always uh, recognize um so potentially we're not using this information to inform our decision making as uh, when we're running our businesses is how everything connects so how the dots line up so understanding that golden thread allows you to be uh, to use that information to make informed decisions about you know what clients you work with what suppliers you you use uh, what kind of projects you take on and things like that so what we're talking about really is at a high level understanding what your operating model canvas looks like so considering you know kind of like where are all your lo working locations so if you've got offices or factories or warehouses or if you're all just working remotely from home whatever it might be but understanding what that is how many partners or third parties you have what are the services and the products that you offer at a high level then kind of underneath that starting to think around okay so what's the technology and the processes that we need to be able to deliver our standard operating procedures so what kind of technology do we need what kind of processes do we need to build then taking it down a next level to kind of say okay so what's from a people perspective what kind of uh, framework have we got in place from a kind of like a development point of view a management point of view so how what kind of approach are we taking to to our people management what's the kind of culture what are we trying to are we a kind of a very much a kind of like a learning organization so is that the kind of approach we're taking and therefore we need to drip feed that into all of our processes around our people and how we develop and grow them um kind of thing so looking at it from a people perspective but then also starting to look at from a management information perspective what kind of management information do you need to run your business effectively so that could be financial it could be people related it could be to do with third parties could be to do with processes quality you know, uh, quality would be a big one in the safety the, for safety professionals in the sense of if you're not achieving quality standards, that could have multiple impacts, but one of them could be very much safety specific. Um, and then kind of underneath all of that, you kind of start to think about, OK, so what are the management controls? So what are the different strategies? What's our kind of business strategy? What's our, you know, if you have if you have staff working for you, what's the kind of like learning development strategy? What's the career progression framework? How does that look? But also then, um, you know, what are your values? What's the culture for the culture of your organization? Any internal controls that you have in place, um, but also any regulatory controls, anything uh, regulatory controls or standards that you need to adopt um, for how you run your business. So it doesn't need to be an over strenuous exercise, piece of paper, kind of sketch it out. Key things, it might be as simple as two sites, we've got 13 suppliers, five partners. We offer two different products and three different services. We've got two different technologies and we've got 15 processes. You know, what are they? We've got a, you know, we manage our, we've, these are our ways of working. So we have monthly one-to-ones or whatever it might be, but high level kind of break that down. And then what that allows you to do is start to understand how your business actually operates. So then if, for example, I said to you, James, oh, sorry, um, we're no longer going to we're no longer going to use risk fluent for that service 
you would then think, well, actually, Liz, you are the only customer of ours that use that service. And actually, it's not been that effective. You don't want it anymore. We don't want to offer it anymore. So we're going to can it. Yeah, so you can that, but now you understand, oh, actually, if we're no longer offering that service, those technologies that we procured to provide us with management information to be able to manage that client um, or to be able to service that client kind of thing, we don't need that anymore. So those licenses, we can cancel all of that. And therefore, that operational cost of those licenses, we can get rid of and we can remove. So you see what I mean? It just allows the business to see the whole system and what needs to change. Because what you often find is that businesses implement change. And then at some point in the future, they there's lots of um, kind of like historical systems that are still in place. Or um, it might be the end of the year when your accountant looks at the kind of pulling the books together and kind of set like the final set of books and kind of says, well, these are all your operational costs, all your licensing costs for your hardware or your IT, whatever. And it might, oh, I only use Microsoft Zero a lot. 365 nowadays I don't have any of the special requirements oh, okay well you're spending quite a bit of money you know and it's, it's these things again that can make you more effective and more efficient within your business but you're not actually necessarily changing anything you're just working a little bit smarter because you understand the landscape of your business so you can make those informed decisions yeah. does that make sense no I think it makes a lot of sense and I, and I think one of the things that um we've been trying to talk more about in safety and risk management is is a bit more of a systems thinking approach of understanding that what we're operating within is is essentially a a system that has both social e.g people and technical aspects e.g like process and and it and tech and so on and so forth um so so being able to i think put that system of which safety is a huge part of it. And if one of your outcomes is a safe operation or a safe task or whatever, or a well, a well-managed task, for example, understanding all the components throughout that process that contribute to that outcome, I think is is phenomenally important. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And I think one of the, the coming to the system thinking approach um, especially when you're kind of looking at your organizational design, you've got your seven aspects, but they all need to link up and they do need to work. Because if your culture is one of a kind of like more of a um, people centered approach that's more around coaching and development you know we're we're a learning organization um so that's the kind of culture we're bringing it's very much test learn and adapt kind of thing versus uh, a command and control style should we say you know you need to make sure then that that folds that that fizzles through into everything from you know with your strategy your processes or your people elements the technology etc and just generally ways of working because otherwise what you'll find is when something goes wrong you won't walk the talk in other words there'll be knee-jerk reactions and all of a sudden people will behave in a certain way that is not what is expected um so so it all has to match and that's why you need to understand how the whole business operates really because as soon as you start to lose that trust people will will refrain and will think well next time I'm not going to do that um because I'm I'm being told that you know we've got to try these things and learning is um 
is a, is a good thing and um, failure is not a bad thing it's learning you know so we know not to take that approach next time but actually when something went wrong you know a ton of bricks fell down on me and, and where was everyone to protect me kind of thing um so you do need to make sure sometimes we think very focused <laughs> A lot of the time we're very focused on what's the technology that we need or what are the processes, but actually we need to think about all elements of that. What's the strategy? What's the culture? What are the people side? Because it all needs to come together to be successful. Um, if you've got the wrong leadership or that, you know, or a leadership style that doesn't align nicely with the culture and the ways of working and what the business goals and priorities are then again it's not going to work if that makes sense so it does all need to sit together and safety is another thing you want to look at it like I know you personally I know you James and there's probably a lot of safety professionals out there that feel the same want to move away from just a tick box exercise we've got a checklist and we have to do these things you know um and I I fully 110% agree with that you know if you're do I often say this to a lot of people why are you doing that and if someone can't tell me an answer or the answer is, oh, because my process says I need to or the checklist tells me I need to, but there's no actual value add to it, I would challenge that in a constructive way. Well, then we need to revisit the process. We need to understand why, you know, because all you're doing, you're not by having a load of checklists or a process that's ticking a load of boxes. If it's not actually value add, you're not really going to receive the reach the outcome that you want to, are you? And in a safety world, it doesn't matter if you've got 500 checklists that have all been signed off to say we've done all the tests. If the production line has failed and caused massive harm to all of the people that are working on it, those checklists are not really going to mean much, are they? Yeah. They just matter. <clears throat> kind of what you were talking about is, is very similar to something we've been talking about quite a lot within the safety profession is, is a clutter in the system. And yep, wastage. There was three, yeah, so there's a paper in, in the safety kind of academia called Safety Clutter. So it's looking at cluttered systems, but very much focused on safety. Um and they they he kind of come at their three C's. So three C's that you can use as a as a test. And I was just getting them on my phone whilst you were you were talking because I thought it, it resonated with what you were talking about. So um what's the contribution? So what's it contributing to? E.g., your point, is it is it value added? Um, where's your confidence coming from that it's going to work? E.g., is that coming from evidence of something you've done or someone else has done or academia, or is it coming from a belief? in that you believe this is the right thing to do because uh, it's just what's always been done before because that's a lot well that's what we do where is that confidence coming from um and then consensus so are the stakeholders which which kind of brings us quite nicely onto what you mentioned earlier of stakeholders um is it are the stakeholders kind of agreeing that yes this is this is the right way to go yeah uh, which I, I i'd really like those three those three c's are the very simple test um, yeah, no, I, I like it. And it relate, it does relate very well, because what I talk about is the removal of waste in the system. 
you know and that waste um can be lots of different things it can be time so it can be where you know between where one team hands work off to the next team and it there's a it kind of sits in a hole for three or four days before it gets picked up so it can be removing that kind of waste Mm -hmm. it can be removing waste in processes where you're doing activities that adds like you say absolutely no value um but it's just always been done that way so we'll do it anyway um it's removing waste of you know um, where you're losing money and things like that so so yeah it's all very similar um same theory so yeah I totally agree with that and it makes a difference and it comes back to then the people because mm. again it's this kind of thing of if people feel like they're doing a value add job they're contributing they're more motivated and therefore they're more productive if yeah. they realize what they're if they can see if they can understand if they've got clarity around why they're doing things the purpose and what the action what they're hoping to achieve at the end of it again they're a lot more motivated and productive to doing their jobs um so yeah it, it comes there's a lot of benefits to it yeah yeah and 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 i think the value of why i quite like your your description of kind of essentially painting the operating model of an organization to we can do i think i think it's really nice to see something visually like yeah. uh, we do quite a lot of work with organizations and and i, I like me post it so I'll, I'll pretty much post it out a process right can't be a post it in a sharpie can't be a post in the sharpie right so but like there's nothing better than i remember once doing this process so we're kind of trying to learn and improve the the safety aspects of a, of a process so we're trying to learn about what works well and what doesn't work well and we just focus on one very focused simple task that they do within this organization and the amount of post-its on the wall was phenomenal and, yeah. and the, the kind of area manager had to dip out and come back in so i think he had to pop to the doctors or whatever not relevant doesn't matter anyway <laughs> and uh and he come back maybe like an hour later and i remember he walked in and he looked at the wall and he was like wow fuck me is that one lift and, and we were like yeah 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 uh and it and it was amazing to be able to see all of these good things that are going on and all of these potential weaknesses and and it's difficult all, all, as well i think sometimes we focus just on like this is positive and this is negative and it, i didn't think it was as simple as that and these are just potential weaknesses and these are uh yeah. strengths or potential strengths so to speak but um i really like that that notion of having it visible and and interestingly i think it's something that we've experienced since starting a business so when we started uh consulting i'm not a massive fan of um i won't i won't say the brand names or, or just for the sake of my of, uh, not pissing anyone off um but was, <laughs> there's some like mini accreditation schemes within within um within safety okay uh, that are in my opinion very much about in the beginning, I, I I couldn't see any value in it. I was like, it's just ticking a box. It's just badge collecting. It, it doesn't make the job safer. And I, so I was like, we're not we're not going to do it. And um, <clears throat> we ended up actually turning away a lot of work. Right, so okay. we don't do it. We don't do it. We don't. And and it was like quite painful as a business as a new business. You're like, why are we turning away all this work? Like this is really hard. Um, and we 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 kind of. I remember coming back to the safety clutter paper and we did a lot of work around values and purpose and stuff, which, which you've mentioned. And I, and I want to come in on that in a minute. Um, I'm, I'm really kind of challenged ourselves to think about, okay, what we're trying to do is do work that delivers value. And the second we kind of defined, that's what we're trying to do is delivers impact on, on the business. We were like, ah, hang on a minute. 
this thing, this little mini accreditation, it doesn't deliver value in our opinion to the shop floor. However, what it does do is enable the business to be able to tender for the job. And if they can't tender for the job, they're not a business. So they're just not going to get any work. So and the reason I brought this up is because I think safety is and that's just one example of how I've fallen victim to it. We've fallen victim a little bit to forgetting that there are multiple aspects of safety. Primarily what we're trying to do is make the workplace a safer place so people don't hurt themselves, die or become ill because of work. Of course, that's our primary focus. However, there are things that we do that deliver value to the company that aren't actually specifically focused on on the safety of yeah. work. Um, and, and I think you, when you were talking about painting the system, painting the operating model um, so you can see it, would probably enable safety professionals to be able to understand that a little bit more because when yeah. we, we, we did. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Totally agree. And it does. And all we're really trying to do here is bring around, bring about more understanding and awareness of what's going on. So mm-hmm. we all go into work every day. Yeah, we know how work works. We know what we're doing. But as I say, sometimes we're that busy doing the doing or sometimes we only have visibility of certain aspects. It's not the whole picture. And so it's about trying to understand that whole picture. And it's a bit like the butterfly effect, isn't it? You know, my actions over here, what's the effect going to be down here? And that's where you start to see issues. Um, You know, for example, technology. Well, we talked about earlier, didn't we, about a I won't mention the brand, but a big technology giant um, went down this morning. You know, it could be something severe like a hacker or, you know, whatever. But it could be something as simple as somebody has implemented something overnight, a project, um, and it's knocked something out. It's not been tested effectively or something's gone wrong and it's knocked it out and it's taken them a good few hours to get it back up and running. And these are the kind of things that if we understand the whole picture, we minimize the impact of those things happening because the actual result we want is we don't want any impact to customers. We don't want customers to be able to see that we're changing things. In the safety world, safety professionals, for you, a good job is when your clients don't need to see you almost per se, if you know what I mean, because nothing's going wrong. You want it to be that continuous working relationship where you're proactively changing tweaking innovating and adapting ways of working so that they never have to call you up in a reactive way and say oh my god you know the machines just hurt somebody so you need to come in and do a full review you never want to get to that stage do you You want to it's preventative as opposed to responsive when it happens um so yeah so I totally um I totally agree with you in the sense that understanding that full picture allows you to better understand what you need to do to yeah. manage that change more effectively yeah so uh, and what what is your i'm curious to come to the the kind of understanding your values and principles and and and, and purpose of an organization but maybe even as well purpose of the of a project that we're trying to achieve because to come back to that that little story for us is that we we kind of started off we, we're not going to do this stuff and then once we kind of def- really spent some critical kind of soul searching time on what are we trying to do it enabled us to say okay we'll do that stuff however there's a caveat we'll only do that if it's with a client that we're also getting time on the shop floor with 
um, you know, like on a long-term partnership so that we can actually do some safety work. So they're like, well, maybe how, how does that, it's still, it's still a bit tick boxy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it's kind of, we were able to look at it in a different way and say, we're taking it off of the client to do it for them and quicker. So we're decluttering their process, but we can't get rid of it because the world is the world and you can't turn it for that job without it. So, and, and a big part of being able to make that decision and understand that and make it kind of right for me, because really it was my own stubbornness that wouldn't let us do that work, um, make it feel comfortable for me, was really critically spending some time on as, a, as an organization, what do we exist for and yeah. what are values and principles? So when we are understanding or running and managing a project, what is the value of a company's purpose and a company's values and stuff like that? And how much impact does that have on a project, for example? Yeah, so it, massive. OK, remind me to come back to that because I just want to address your first point and then we'll talk about um, kind of purpose and vision. But what you were talking about there for you, that that to me brings to life the difference between outputs and outcomes. OK, um, so projects, programs, transformational change, you know, again, size, scale, complexity varies. Some will be about achieving certain outputs, yeah? So it might be, we need to do these five different projects. Each of the five different projects will give us a separate output, but we need all five outputs to take us on our journey to achieving the outcome that we want to achieve for the organization. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. outputs and outcomes are not the same thing. So in the story that you've just told, where you were talking about certain creditations, um, doing certain checklists to be able to move you on to the next stage per se, those are almost outputs, yeah? So we have to do this as an output to allow us to move on to the next stage. But the outcome of what the business wants to achieve is this, mm. yeah? So they're not really interested in all these bits along the way, but they have to do that for various reasons. So in your mind, it's a thing of, well, it's, it's a non it's a tick box exercise. It's not value add. No, you might be right. It might feel like that. But if the outcome is this and you want to achieve the outcome, you might have to jump through those, those hoops to get there. So it's about focusing on the outcome. And that's then when you start to think about from a leadership perspective, the purpose um, for the organization, you need to start to consider, again, it's a change in mindset and a different leadership style. And it all comes down to communication. But you're moving away from focusing on tasks and outputs to actually focusing on the outcomes so these are the outcomes that we want to achieve as an organization it then becomes a lot more powerful okay and that's when you then starting to do more around this is the vision this is where we want to get to and you're actually motivating your people to get on that journey and come with you you're then starting to step away from necessarily being a uh, from management in the sense of managing people day to day of this is what you need to do x y and z fill this checklist out do these activities or whatever it might be because what you're focusing on is the outcome so it's a thing of actually team we need to achieve this outcome i'm going to leave it to you guys to get on with that so you're then moving away from managing more into the leadership space where you're there, you're supporting, you're engaging your people, you're giving them the vision, talking through the purpose, you know, you're bringing people on that journey, but you're empowering them to be, to, 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 to work out for themselves within, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about anarchy, 
within the framework and the parameters of what your business has already set up within your operating model of your controls that are in place, but you're empowering your people to work out the best way of achieving those outcomes. Yeah. And, and one powerful, there's two really strong things in that one, you've, you're engaging with your people. So they're feeling valued. They're getting an opportunity to develop and grow, you know, so they're going to be a lot more productive and a lot more motivated. They're learning new things. You know, these are all tick boxes. People love. We're humans. We like this kind of stuff. Um, And um, two, who knows how to do things better than the people on the ground doing the things we might. We might like to think we know things, you know, but actually, as a business owner or as a business leader or as part of a leadership team, you know, whatever size business you're operating in, a, 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 you know, a successful leader is someone who recognizes that they haven't got all the skills and all the knowledge. So they build their team with all of the different capabilities that they need to deliver their business. And therefore, if you want them to be successful, you need to step back and let them do that. You need to empower them to do that within the parameters that you set you know so they know when to come to you you know if if things are going outside of those parameters um but you're there you're supporting them you're helping them so it's allowing them to collaborate and be creative and it's allowing you then to focus on what your job is which is focusing on these are the outcomes that we want to achieve in the future how do we continue to keep taking people on that journey to get there does that make sense it definitely does because I'm making shitloads of notes. So. Oh, are you? Are you not recording this then? Like, you just listen back to it. <laughs> to it, so I just make notes. That's okay. Um, I'm just winding you up. It is recorded, but I just don't like listen to it. Um, not not because of the guest. Normally, it's a guest I want to listen to. It's just my fucking. It's all right. It's all right. Do you need a ladder? Do you need a ladder to get out? <laughs> No, I quite like just wallowing in the bottom of these holes, if I'm honest. There's a lot of good in what you said in there, Liz. Um, there's a little bit of bad. No, I'm joking. Okay, <laughs> go on. Hit me with the bad first. I like to think. I like to look at it as constructive. As long as you can constructive feedback, I know next time what to think about, what to say, what not to say. I just realised what that sounded like when I said it. <laughs> I double down on it. Um, what, I really, what I really, really like about this, if I continue to just use that story that that, that we were using, is that those accreditations. If we if we were in our head to be like, it doesn't contribute to the safety of work, but if the safety of work is the outcome and taking it off of the customer enables them to focus on actual risk management, it is, it's a good, it's an output that's enabling the outcome. Which and that's which, the thing, some of them are enablers. Yeah, yeah, which I, what I really like about this is I think this really helps, I think, the safety profession start to start to understand things that they've been battling with for a long time. Like, like just one very simple example that I find a lot of people in safety struggle with, you know, oh, who should own the risk assessment, right? Just an example. And it's probably oh, just... I hear <laughs> it gets talked a lot about in projects. Yeah. So operations should own the risk assessment. Well, why have we got a safety team if they don't, if they own the risk assessment? And we bicker back and forth, right? And and I, I've been on many sides of this argument and I kind of flip on one side of the fence to the other. And as you can imagine, I don't really sit on the on the fence. I like to pick a side and then just change sides randomly. Um, and I'm kind of listening to what you're, what you're saying and I'm thinking, do you know what, if, 
if safety team doing the writing, the booking, the organization, the collecting and, and arranging of the stakeholders, facilitating that conversation and enabling and doing the risk assessment, right, enables the outcome of the operational people owning the understanding of managing risk, e.g. the actual thought process of risk management and how do we do this job effectively but, but safely, if if the output means that safety is the people that are the people that are writing, typing, and keep making sure it's in date and all of this stuff, like I'm totally okay with safety doing that. Like, and I, and I think taking you one step closer. Yeah, exactly, and and I think that that for me makes a lot of sense. Is that yeah. if decluttering um, means if we can't get rid of something because we're required to have it. Say, for example, you're required to write down a risk assessment after you've got five people, right? Now, technically, you're only supposed to record the significant findings, but everyone fucking struggles with that. So let's just go with, once you have five people, you have to write a risk assessment. Let's just go with that to keep this conversation simple. So we have to write the risk assessment. That's clutter. There's loads of fucking paperwork everywhere. How do we manage this? Ops are busy doing what they do. Now, if it means that we can't get rid of it, so we can't declutter it, but what we can do is remove that clutter from the operational people so that they can understand how they're involved in the process because they need to but ultimately they are enabled to just do the job effectively and yeah. effectively be in safety for me that that's it's really nice really yeah. nice. because i think what you're trying what you're talking about there and i do totally agree with you and it is predominantly the difference between outputs and outcomes and i do have this conversation a lot because we as we do seem to be very focused on the output the actual task which is just the process yeah, it's the process to get you to somewhere as opposed and we focus more on that than the outcome and the outcome will be more around the behavioral change or the transformational change that you're trying to achieve. And it's like, let's focus on that. Um, but it's not always as easy to kind of like. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for to be able to describe what that is do you know what I mean so it's easier to focus on the outputs but what you really need and these are some of the things you need to consider um, especially for safety professionals but also you know for any professionals working in a project environment remember what we talked about very at the very beginning about what's the definition of a project and we talked about it's you know, a project doesn't sit in one particular area in a business. It spans across the whole business, dependent on what areas are impacted. OK, so for us, one of our biggest challenges is about the visibility of everything that's going on. It's not always possible to have that visibility of everything. Mm -hmm. There could be, you know, it could be impact. It could be affecting business areas that, you know, can't share information with you for sensitive reasons or confidential reasons, or you're working with other people that don't understand how the operating model of the business. They don't understand the canvas that we've talked about. So therefore, they don't realise that they're holding key information that you need to know so they never consider to share it if you know what i mean so that visibility piece is 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 what we're trying to really tackle okay so what you're trying to do is bring around it's two ways it's a, it's a two-way conversation and this is where collaboration which is what i love comes into play because not only are you trying to make sure that you've got a good understanding of what's going on in the landscape so you've got all that visibility you're trying to make sure that you're understanding what your stakeholder needs are you know because if for, for you if you understand that then you can help them to understand 
what they need if you know if that makes sense um there'll be different agendas at play um, there'll be different outcomes that are trying to be achieved especially the larger the organization you know where you've got lots of different business areas involved that are all by different people um it's not all Bob wearing the same, you know, just changing his hat kind of thing. It's more you've got, you know, leadership teams of multiple uh, different heads of, for example. That's where everybody for their business area will have an outcome that they're wanting to achieve from this change. And you therefore need to understand that. And the, from a safety perspective, it's like sometimes it will come across as if, you know, you're not getting the information that you need or you're hitting a wall of resistance and things like that. But it could be it's going to be down to the fact that people don't understand what you need to, what you need to understand so it's about you educating what you need to understand which then helps them to understand what their needs are because they may not have connected the dots that actually by doing some over here is going to affect over here or they need to consider these things so by having those conversations you're helping each other you know to come to get to get to that consensus so you're all on the same page and what you'll often find is if you go through that process and you've you're working collaboratively with the stakeholders you feel you've got a good understanding of their needs uh, you feel that they've got a good understanding of what you need and there's visibility you don't think that you know you're missing things or whatever if you're still finding that you're hitting that wall of resistance and you're sitting there kind of scratching your head thinking that this is this is just like a a no-brainer what, why you know why are people not jumping to this kind of thing mm-hmm. it'll be predominantly one of three reasons because we are human beings uh if we were robots you could just you know oh like, yeah just change the code in you are going to be happy with this and get on with it but we're not we're humans mm-hmm. so it'll be one of three things and and then as a, a safety professional understanding these three things then helps you to know what your next step is how you move that it's similar to project professionals if we understand it we can recognize it we can then change our approach to do something to address it and those three things it's quite simple because we are human we're not you know we're quite simple creatures it's either that they don't like they don't get it so they don't understand the change they don't like it or they don't trust it so if they don't get it that again it just comes back to this education awareness piece more conversation you need to bring it to life it's you know you're still talking in Japanese per se to the person you need to you need to somehow make it to relate to them if they don't like it you need to take a step back you know and have a think about why that might be is it because this change is going to change their job does it apply a level of risk to them that makes them really nervous? Um, is it not them? Is it the fact that they're worrying about their people? Do you know what I mean? Or is it just the uncertainty because we haven't got all of the answers at the moment and, you know, some of the answers are going to kind of drip feed through as we progress through the journey? Or if it could be that they've just got change fatigue, which often happens because where organisations are having to constantly change to what's going on in the environment, people can get fed up of it. It's a bit of a, oh God, I don't, here we go again. I don't like this. I just want to come in and get on with my day job. Mm. But obviously, if we don't constantly change the business to meet the needs of the outside world, the day job's not going to be there after so long. And that's quite scary. But sometimes that might, message might need to be shared to get people to kind of wake up and realise we have to do this. And the third one, they don't trust it. Again, take a step back. Have they been burnt before? Have they been promised things before and it hasn't happened? Um, Have they been told that, you know, 
these things are going to bring about with them all these benefits they're going to make their working day much better or whatever it might be and then in reality it's not brought any of the benefits it's not made their day better in fact it's made it harder and you know x y and z are you do they normally have a three-step process and now you're expecting them to do a 20-step process but they're concerned about but you're not paying me more you're not doing this you're not doing that so they don't trust what's going on it doesn't it doesn't quite tally or it might be the fact that they don't trust the leader that's talking about it because they don't feel that there's integrity there or that there's a real level of understanding from the leadership about what's actually happening on the ground and therefore if they don't really understand what's going on how do they really know what they're proposing is the right thing Mm -hmm. or it might be that they've you know engaged with this the leadership before and they've been burnt kind of thing so all of these are human reactions they're all behavioral reactions as a result of uncertainty so again understanding where your stakeholders sit because your stakeholders are everyone because that's another key point we often focus on our stakeholders being the key business people that are you know being changed by it but stakeholders are actually everybody Um, so if we understand where all our stakeholders sit then we can start to think about what's our engagement strategy what's the communication needed do we need to do some training workshops you know or whatever it might be do we need to go and have certain conversations with certain individuals or do we need to um, have some quick wins if they don't if they don't trust it for example what are some quick wins that we can start to kind of like show that actually we do mean what we say kind of thing and this is what you're going to see come in so it's about taking on different approach you know different strategies then to kind of move people along that kind of change curb for which everybody has to go through it's just how quickly we go through it some will go through it in the space of two minutes you know so moving from that kind of I don't like it this kind of change awareness piece where you might not necessarily get it through to that kind of um the experience where they're actually going through it to the point where they're actually you're coming out the other side now I'm learning I'm doing things differently oh this is actually good I do like it you know my day job's become better moving people through that could take a matter matter sorry of minutes could take a matter of months years for some people you never will Mm-hmm. but what you kind of like your 80 20 rule aren't you as long as you're progressing with 80 percent of people and things like that you will you'll have momentum if you're not then you will that resistance will shut you down and unfortunately resistance is one of the biggest killers of projects and um, because as soon as you start hitting that wall of resistance things start to stop which means you've got to spend more time more money more effort in trying to move it which means you're not spending time money and effort on doing the project activity which is going to drive the benefits and the outcome that you want to so eventually they they start to stall and that just adds fuel to your kind of resistance clangs fire if you know what I mean but it's not doing what you say anyway is it kind of thing so it just kind of it just helps stopping it um so really when you mentioned about the purpose and we talked about leadership and the vision you that's why being connected engaging with your people and working with your people and really understanding what's going on and understanding the needs of your stakeholders is so important to the success of projects and again if your project is either delivering safety aspects or safety professionals are involved in an aspect of a wider program of activity 
that's why it is so important to understand that because especially in the safety sense I think you probably are hit with that kind of historical stigma kind of thing of oh what we've just got to do it because you've got a checklist that says we've got to do it and actually what you're trying to do is get to well actually no I'm saying do this because it's going to make your life better or it's going to make things easier or you know whatever it might be yeah but we have to continue to innovate don't we we have to continue to to do things differently to work smarter not harder um so that we can remain competitive and, and valid mm. there's so there's so much value in kind of what, what you're talking about there and that i think you can sometimes i think you can get so excited about a project you're going to get caught up in it and forget to really go and talk to those stakeholders like and and i've literally experienced this recently and that we what a project we're doing is like really cool really innovative really exciting and trying to solve a problem that we and safety have been struggling with for a phenomenally long time so when we got the client ring us up and said look here's my idea here's the scope I reckon you, you'd love to do it. We, Yeah, totally. We kind of did something that I have always said to people, I always say to people, don't do. We went into like solution mode before yeah. we spoke to the, the, the stakeholders to understand the problem. problem. So we kind of put this whole solution together. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. We're in solution mode. We weren't, we had done no work on understanding the problem other than, other than the conversations between me and the um, primary contact, the client, and, and also our own knowledge and our own experience. But we hadn't understood it from the perspective, as you were talking about kind of diversity of, of, for I suppose on the shop floor as to like all of those stakeholders yes the problem exists but in their eyes what does that problem look like exactly and that and that honestly is not an uncommon thing that happens scarily more regular than you'd realize you know people fix on the solution before they really understand the problem and that might be because there's this new shiny model and it's like we've got to have that or it might be well everybody's using that technology or that platform so we've got to use that or you know or it'll be certain stakeholders might have a real influence and that's the kind of they want to use these particular products or services because they've got a relationship with those suppliers whatever it might be um, but that is not uncommon. And I think as project professionals and safety professionals, what we have to do is, yes, we can get excited and we want to get excited because excitement kind of builds the momentum that gets change to happen. So we don't want to lose that. But we also need to stay a little bit grounded in the sense of this is great, guys. But can we just take a step back? Yeah. What actually is the problem? What do you actually need? Um, and then work out because quite often what you find is, the solution is not going to fix the problem. So you see it happen a lot in organizations. They'll bring in like certain technology or, uh, you know, a certain supplier or a certain product to do some, to do X. They'll put it live and it doesn't do that. Yeah. So then they'll need to go and buy something else or do something else. And again, by doing that, your people on the ground then, the people that are actually using the new technology, a kind of you're losing the kind of credibility because it's like, oh, well, so you've just spent six months bringing this in. Nobody listened and it doesn't do the job and it's making my job harder. Now they want to do it again with something else. So you're kind of and that's where you get the resistance. That's where you get this. You don't trust it or you don't like it because people have have previously had these you know they've been burnt by it so understanding um those needs are really critical and you know 
and, and the other thing point you made before that James was where you were talking about you know you you get so excited with your projects and you know uh, it kind of consumes you again that's 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 another you know common thing for people it does and I think if you work in the kind of project kind of environment then you get a buzz from that you know it's like the kind of peaks and it, the kind of the 11th hour issues and things like that and the kind of environment you've got to have a lot of resilience because it is it's it's fast it's paced it's pressurized there's a lot going on um and what happens is it becomes part of our lives and then we forget that other people in the organization don't really understand it to the same degree that we understand it because we think that everybody understand it because it's part of everybody's lives but it isn't all of these other people have got they might understand had to be aware of it a little bit, but they've got all these other things going on that are part of their lives because they're running different aspects of the business. So their focus is not going to be the same. So again, it's about having those conversations. It's about that regular engagement to make sure that everybody really understands what's going on. Um, because then when you do need people, when you need to bring people in to support, it might be to remove, you know, resolve issues or an escalation, whatever it might be. If they understand, they'll be more supportive and you'll be able to get that help quicker, preventing your project from stalling. Yeah. And and, uh, and what made me think about that kind of that example, that story was when you were talking about like people that don't like it, don't get it, don't trust it. Right. And so we've done a couple of workshops in our, our initial workshops in, in the starting project and we were starting to get some the majority of people are really positive about it, but we were just picking up, I was just picking up comments, like little bits and bobs. We're like, yeah, I really like this, but I'm worried about this. I really like this. I'm worried. I'm kind of taking loads of notes, every workshop, loads of notes. And then we have one particular person who was like from the outset of the workshop was just not, not in for this at all. Like I didn't yeah. want to be in there. And, and, and I think it, has taken me years to be able to have dealt with that not emotionally. So I was enabled because of I've been mentored by amazing people and gone through all the experience. I've been able to, in that moment, try to uh, try to tell myself, like maybe allow the emotions in my head to, to go, this guy's a prick, blah, 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 but actually not say it out loud. Just maybe think it, deal with it, but then swallow it and go, why is he acting like this though? Because he doesn't like it, he doesn't get it, or he doesn't trust it. Why doesn't he do that? And I was and we were able then to to because we'd had that kind of that kind of process in our brain enabled us to understand that, hang on a minute, we've gone 100% into solution mode here and we have not gone on the shop floor to understand what the problem is. So we rang the client up and said, I, I, I want to change what we're doing here. And I want to be, at, I want to go out and spend some time on the shop floor. And this is why. And when we kind of said it to the client, it was like, love that. Totally yeah. get it. Totally get it. And, and I think that, and that is great. And that's to the exact point, isn't it? It's like people, you know people's behavior is an emotional response to things and nobody gets up in the morning and thinks I'm going to be purposely disruptive at work today or I'm purposely going to withhold information or whatever I'm going to purposely do a bad job nobody wants to do that um it, people sometimes behave in a way subconsciously they may or consciously you know they may not be aware of it but they're behaving in a way because of that emotional um kind of like impact of 
what's going on they might not even recognize they're doing it and that's why we as the professionals that are kind of like facilitating you know in your situation those workshops we need to recognize that pdq so that we can start to adapt our approaches and our responses you know to what is going on in that room because otherwise you'll lose your audience and you're not achieving the you know and so that I love that. I love the fact that you recognized it. I love the fact that you faced into your client then by saying we need to chat and you changed your approach. And I, I would, without even knowing any more of this story, I'd bet my bottom dollar on the fact that the outcome then that you delivered to that organization was better as a result of you standing up and saying, stop, we need to change approach than it would have been if you'd have just carried on because you would have got people more bought into it. You would have learned more. It would have informed the solution more. So the outcome would have been better. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know, because it's literally a live project. So we're- Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's your case study on it, but I bet you it does. It literally happened like a matter of weeks ago. And, And I'm not saying it to- kind of sound like oh, I'm amazing and I enabled myself to stop in the moment and like I know <laughs> what was the voice about there I just like you know when you get those people that like there was this what with those voices you mean <laughs> those voices and they're just like there's an I was so amazing um but like that's there's that's- no I in team James remember that yeah, and that's there is an M and an E though which is me <laughs> oh god there's no hope for some people <laughs> Um, but that's not why I said that story. I was just, I'm very conscious that it, it could have come across that. And that's not why I said it. What I, what I wanted to kind of make, that was really difficult for us. Like, yeah. and it was, it was really fucking scary. Like I was shitting myself because I was like, well, this is, this, this now is like, it's a big project. And like, financially speaking, it was like, this is huge for us as a business. If we piss this client off, because we're basically ringing up and saying, we've screwed up here um, and and we need to change tack. That client could have gone, hang on a minute. You should have, you could have reacted negatively. And it was really, really scary. And I think, I think being able to just, it comes back to what you were saying earlier is understanding what is our purpose? What what do we value and what are we trying to achieve here? And again, your workshops are outputs. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about the kind of principle of what I talked about, it's not the outcome. It's a a, a set of outputs that you're going through to give you information to help you achieve the outcome. You've gone through the process and you found out, actually, we need to do something else. And again, it's about language and mindset. So you've straight away said there about, you know, shit, we've made a mistake. Your words. (laughs) <laughs> not mine um whereas i'm seeing that as it is how you how you position that and your language so actually have you really made a mistake or have you gone in to do a workshop and that workshop has informed you of a way of working to move forward with and you therefore have rang the client and said following having conversations with your team we've now decided that the best approach to achieve the outcome that you want to will be to do x y and z which is slightly different to what we'd originally thought um but this is as a result of the information that we've got today so this is really good because it means you know this is how it's going to help us so it's not a so again it's just the way you look at things and it comes I said earlier on it's like some people deem when things go wrong as failure whereas I like to look at it as a learning you know you've not failed you've learned you won't do that again so now you go on and you try the next thing kind of thing so again it's just but some of that comes with confidence within the ability of what you're trying to achieve so as long as you can stand true to your core and always stand there and say I've got the best intentions of my clients at heart you know, then, then, you know, you're doing, you're doing the right thing, aren't you? 
Some people will have just sat back and said, do you know what? The client have said this is what they want, so I'm just going to roll with that. My question would be, but do the client really know what they want? Or is it just the fact that the client think they want this because they don't understand the needs or the other options or they don't have your knowledge and expertise to be able to pull that all together to see that there are different things that they could do. And so part of our job, I do think, as professionals, is not to say, yes, you're right or no, you're wrong, but it's to help our clients think about things differently. Okay, so that they can make a more informed decision. The answer might be the same at the end, but at least you can then walk away knowing that, you know, we all, all options have been looked at. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think one of the things I wanted to pull out, or the reason I kind of thought is really important to kind of tell that story is because, was I think... Is, is that I really love, I, like when you said about the 80 20 rule, I kind of wrote that down here and I, I really like that. There's a simple way of doing it, but like I wanted to kind of say, you know, those those 20%, whilst yeah, they might just not buy into it, there, there's still a reason they're not buying into it, of which you can learn from. Yeah. Um, that guy wasn't buying into our workshop and and he was saying like i get there is i get it and I, there is some there is some warrant to this but like there's this and that and and to me able to stop in the moment which i don't think i'd have been able to do like five years ago i'd have took that quite emotional quite personal i wouldn't have been able to do that um and i think there's, this took a lot of work to kind of get there a lot of mentors and and help been able to get us there but ultimately being able to swallow that emotional reaction listen to that guy to say uh this is why i don't like it um it enabled us to then take that next step and again not saying that in a oh this is how enlightened we are until you go oh this is how enlightened we are no one's thinking that well i'm not as i'm listening to you anyway (laughs) did you like my uh, my copy interview then yeah, it was it was flawless. <laughs> it was like I was watching myself for a second there. Oh, good. I, what are you saying? I mean, do I need to get to the beauticians? We missed that. Oh, well. So, so yeah, that that was kind of. I, mean, I just wanted to be able to point, pull out that that kind of just being able to listen to those diverse perspectives and opinions. I think is really important, even if they're not aligned with your perspective and opinion. Yeah. And the more the more diverse thought you can bring into the room, the better the result you're going to get. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we say. And as much as it's like you say, you know, swallow that emotional reaction when people people might not always like our ideas or our ways of working or what we're proposing. But that is it's a, as long as we're it's professional, it's not that they're saying they don't like you as an individual. Um, it's about for some reason that idea doesn't float that person's boat. So try and understand why that is. Um, there could be a very valid reason, in which case work with them around that, or it could just come back down to these um, kind of more these emotional points that we talked about, the one of the three, in which case is there a way you can approach it to respond to that? Or it might be the fact that they're going to be one of the 20% that no matter what you do, what hurdles you jump through, they're not going to be happy. And I'm not saying we just write these people off because we don't. We still want to engage. We still want to understand their views, their opinions. We still want their input because they're just as that every person is just as important. But it's about us recognizing that we're never going to get 100% of everybody liking everything. So to be able to move forward, which is what we need in the safety and the project world, you have to move forward. Sometimes it's agreeing to disagree, if that makes sense. And our jobs is to find a way of moving everybody forward rather than stagnating, um, because that doesn't help anybody. 
I think there's a lot of sense in that. There's a lot of sense, but I am very aware that I've kept you for a very long time. So you can, you can, uh, you'd be grateful. I'll send you up past 45 minute plaque which apparently yes. <laughs> um, no oh, God, it's like i've just won the business awards or something watch <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. this space james i'm after you i'm after your uh, nomination yeah <laughs> made it past the 45 <laughs> uh, yeah apparently that's a thing that i but anyway well done um that was so really- the question will be do you doctor it to less than 45 minutes no, we don't doctor at all. Right, the only thing we would cut out is if some of you asked us to, uh, if you asked us to cut something out. Um, uh, yeah, even then, we might we might disagree here and leave it in. <laughs> Your prerogative, I suppose. Yeah. I did sign up to that in the T's and C's. I do recall seeing something about that. And we and we've and, and I won't say what guest, but we've had arguments with a guest when they've they've said, "I want you to cut that out," and I was like, "Well, you shouldn't have said it." No, <laughs> I was like, well, you shouldn't have fucking said it, should you? Um, and it and it and it, it was a tense conversation, let's put it that way. Uh, oh yeah, funny. So, so yeah, um, Liz, I what I really like about the Liz is there's so much in that that you're talking about, which is what safety is talking about in in our evolution and our identity crisis. And you're not from a safety background at all, you know, probably avoided it like the plague throughout your <laughs> I won't tell I won't tell you why. Yeah, yeah. No. And, but there's so much in that that I'm like, yeah, that's that's the same language we're talking about. That's the same thing we would say that. And there's so much that aligned uh, to that, which is why when we when we first chat, I was like, yeah, you would you would be really good to get on the podcast. Um, so thank you. Well, very- maybe, thank you so much for having me. But maybe we maybe we do a part two months down the line. Maybe when you fit your live project that you're working on at the moment, maybe we catch up and see how it went and have yeah. a have a chinwag over that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, we'll have a chat about that. Um, Liz, if people are like, oh my God, I need Liz in my life. She needs to <laughs> on this, this project or, you know, just coach me or whatever. Can you just give us uh, the audience kind of an insight into what, what 144 can do for businesses or professionals? Um, and then if they're interested in that, how they can come and find some more about out about it. Yeah, no problem. So, um standard platforms really um so we've got our website which is 144consultancy.co.uk uh we also have a linkedin page uh for 144 i also have my own linkedin page um so you can join us on there and see what's going on as well but fundamentally the services that we offer are all about helping businesses and individuals to realize their their full potential really um so they continue to develop and grow um to really prevent them from becoming extinct now I know that sounds very extreme but it, it happens doesn't it we were talking about some big brands that you don't see anymore um but you know used to make up our teenage lives when you used to go and hire a dvd at the weekend or something with a popcorn you know these things don't happen anymore and it's because they haven't evolved as the world has changed so 144 helps with those kind of things so we provide that uh, we do tr- provide uh business coaching so that's looking at providing business advice uh guidance and support um, if there are issues within the business or potential opportunities that you want to explore, we'll come in, have a look, provide you know recommendations, um, and then we can either remain within the business to help deliver it, i.e. a project if, the, if it requires a change, or we can help build the capability of your staff to be more sustainable uh, to change by delivering project management training. Um, so we are an accredited 
training provider of the project and management uh, profession, which is the Association for Project Management. They are the UK chartered body. Um, so we offer their training, which is professional development. There are qualifications at the end of it. We also provide business coaching services. So that can be one on one with business owners or leaders um, or members of the team, you know, who, whoever would benefit really or team coaching you know if you're looking at how do we uh, build more of a team how do we become more effective as a team how do we reach that kind of high performance state um, so again we do that we also help with uh, other kind of business improvement ac activities around you know so workshops around what's like you've just talked about really James uh, so one of the particular styles we've methods we particularly like is around taking an appreciative inquiry approach to things so what works well within your business and then looking at how do we adopt more of that in other areas to make other areas work just as well um so yeah if um, anybody is of um needs any just wants to talk anything through they want to uh, have a look at their strategy and or pull together a strategy um not assuming that everyone has one start to look at what those business goals are what does success look like and how are they going to start moving towards them? Be more than happy to help. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you very much, Liz. Um, you'll give us your links and stuff, or we've got the links already, and we'll put them all in the uh, description below so that people can get the links to your website and um, and your LinkedIn as well. So thank you very much for that, Liz. And thanks for coming on. So I've really enjoyed it. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it as well. It's been quite fun. Looking yeah. forward to part two. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure okay peeps i hope you enjoyed that episode if you want to find out more from liz or at 144 go to the links in the description if you want to connect on linkedin whatever all the links in the description below if you want some help with safety fire safety cultural safety stuff then check out riskfluentltd.com we would love to work with you and thank you all for being on this journey and being part of helping us achieve our purpose as an organization to rebrand safety. I hope you enjoyed this episode, got something out of it. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.